Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Law of Attraction Roundtable. I'm your host, Gary Temple Bodley. Today is another in our special series, the Law of Attraction Book Club, where we go through Joshua's first book in this case, which is A Perception of Reality. And today we're doing chapter one, sections four and five. So we're finishing off the rest of chapter one. So what you'll do is you'll hear me um, read these sections in chapter one, and then the group will discuss it. And it's a really fun way to learn all of this stuff at a deeper level. Also, please make sure that you like and subscribe to the podcast. And if you'd like to hear about the boot camp, send me an email to garybodley at gmail.com. Uh, send this to all your friends because it is a great way to get interested in it. You can start with the first uh, episode of the, book, of the book club, which is the introduction to a perception in reality. Um, and if you have any more interest, you can visit the teachings of joshua.com. There's a lot of free stuff there. A lot of, there's a uh, great video. It's the Joshua documentary. And uh, you can read questions and answers from people all over the world. So sit back and enjoy this episode. Within the larger framework of the law of attraction is the law of vibrations. Everything that exists in the universe, whether it is physical or non-physical, exists in vibrational terms. You are a vibrational being, and so are all other humans, life forms, and objects on your planet. The chair you're sitting on is a vibrational representation of a chair that is unique to your vibrational perception of the chair. The food you eat is vibrational. It vibrates aromas you can smell, flavors you can taste, texture you can feel, colors you can see, sizzle you can hear, and mass you can sense. Sound is the easiest vibration to recognize because you are already aware that it is vibration. You may also be aware that light is vibration and what you see is vibration emitting from or reflecting off objects. Sight, like all of your senses, is an interpretation of vibration. Taste is the act of interpreting vibration through your taste buds and translating it into the flavors of the foods you eat. Likewise, the sense of smell is also the translation of vibration. These vibrations make up your physical reality. Vibrations are not static. They are constantly in motion, shifting, evolving. No vibration is translated identically by any two people. The interpretation of each vibration is unique to the perception of each individual. Since all perception is unique, then all translation of vibration is unique. However, you have made agreements that form the basis of your reality. When you smell an orange slice, that aroma is unique to you. But since its vibration is relatively consistent, you agree that the smell is that of an orange, all while having no knowledge whatsoever about what others are really translating into the smell of an orange slice. You agree that the color you see as orange is the same color that everyone else sees. This is because the vibration, not the color, is consistent. Therefore, you can copy the color in ink or paint and call it orange and others will agree. You agree that vibration in general means similar things, but these are just simplified versions of their meaning. The meaning or representation of any vibration depends on the perception of the individual. Therefore, each vibration means something different to each individual. That's why your method of verbal and written communication is so inadequate. Words and ideas are also vibrations. Each word carries a vibrational signal, and the word is translated by your brain as you receive it. However, unlike colors or flavors, word vibrations carry many different meanings depending on the delivery method of the words and the emotional states of the sender and receiver at the time the word is delivered and received. If you are in an emotional state of depression and someone says, I love you, you will receive those words differently than if you were in an emotional state of joy. If you and the receiver are both in an emotional state of joy and you say, I hate you, it will most likely be taken humorously because your state of being does not vibrationally match those words. Communication depends entirely on the emotional state of the deliverer of the message and the receiver of the message. Therefore, all vibration is translated differently depending on one's emotional state of being. Vibrations through the law of attraction, are drawn to similar vibrations. Victims, through their vibration, are drawn to victimizers. Lovers are brought together in the same way enemies are brought together. 
Good thoughts attract more good thoughts, and unpleasant thoughts attract other unpleasant thoughts. It's the vibration of the thing that is attracted to another similar or compatible vibration. This is the essence of the law of attraction, and it is completed through vibration. You are a vibration that is the sum of your feelings, emotions, and thoughts at this moment in time. In the next moment, your vibration will be slightly different. Your vibration, as you might have realized by the nature of vibrations, is not static. It is constantly moving, shifting, and evolving. If you feel joy in this moment, your vibration changes to include the joy you are feeling. Unless you can sustain that joy, your vibration will turn to a baseline state of vibration. You can raise and lower your vibration very easily at times. It requires more focus to shift your vibration to a new, higher frequency and to maintain that frequency so that it becomes the new standard or baseline. Your knowledge of the concept of vibration will be of great assistance to you when you are ready to raise your vibration. The first step is to understand the nature of vibrational reality, and the second step is to consciously create the desire to raise your vibration. The Law of Attraction will do the rest. The basis of the universe is well-being. The basis of your life and the world you live in is also one of well-being. You may experience momentary periods of crisis, but if you look back on your life in general, it has been one of calm, ease, and comfort. Your memory of life may not lead you to this conclusion, because your memory is that of the events in your life, and not the periods in between the events. The predominance of your life has been, and will continue to be, one of well-being. Well-being is a natural state of being for you, your planet, the inhabitants of your planet, and the inhabitants of the non-physical realm. It is the baseline state of all existence. It's a state of ease, comfort, and safety. Any movement from this state is temporary, and it is always easy to return to it. Your life is one of ease unless you focus on difficulty, frustration, or hardship. You are guided and provided for. There is no lack unless you focus on lack. There is no struggle unless you create struggle through your thoughts of fear or lack. Your life is to be enjoyed fully, and this can be easily accomplished when you realize you are worthy, loved, and the center of attention in your universe. The memory of your past as you perceive it from that narrow, limited view holds you back from the feeling of well-being when you focus on memories that do not feel good to you. Your memory can be of assistance to you when you focus on memories that feel good. It is a feeling that guides you. The thoughts, feelings, and emotions that feel good help you understand that well-being abounds. The thoughts, feelings, and emotions that feel bad let you know that you are holding yourself apart from the experience of well-being. There is tremendous energy in the universe, and you have access to that energy. It is a power that lights up worlds, creates all beauty, and is a force behind all creativity. It is endless and infinite, and you can harness it for your own purposes. You are a creator, and your creation is you in this physical environment. You are given an inner self to guide you as you pursue your interests, your life's passions, and your dreams. The power of the universe is here to support you in whatever it is you desire. In order to use this power to your advantage, you must deliberately create your life. You must move towards desires and not push against things unwanted. The power of the universe is great, but it must be controlled like any such power. Electricity is beneficial when used to power your lights and appliances. However, without proper care, it can start fires or shock you. This is an oversimplification of the power of the universe, but you get our meaning. When directed properly, electricity is extremely beneficial. When not handled correctly, it has the potential to bring unwanted things. The concept that you can deliberately create a life experience that is pleasing may be a new one for you. You have been using the power of the universe to create your life up to this point, whether you've realized that or not. The deliberate creation of your life experience means you utilize these universal forces to act in your favor to bring life experiences and manifestations that you desire. It also means you are not thrown into situations that you do not desire. Deliberate creation requires focus. It is the practice of directing thoughts, feelings, and emotions towards the things you desire and not against the things you do not want. Your focus must be unencumbered by doubt or fear. 
It must be clear on the path to your dreams without worry about future outcomes. You must be based in present time and not focus too far in the future. If you could simply hold the good feeling thoughts of the things you want and pay less attention to the things you don't want or don't like, you would move quickly to a greatly improved life experience. There is never a positive reason to think about or discuss anything unwanted. The thoughts or discussions about things unwanted only engage the law of attraction to increase the potential for those unwanted things to be experienced in your life. Deliberate creation is the focus of attention on the wanted and the lack of attention on things unwanted. Most humans talk more about unwanted things than wanted things. Anything that seems unjust is often the topic of passionate discussion. We must fight this injustice, you say. We must rid the world of it. You cannot rid the world of anything by giving your attention to it. It is the law of attraction, not the law of obliteration. The way to fight against anything is to desire its opposite. Instead of a war on drugs, you might desire tolerance, understanding, and compassion for those who are searching for a way to feel better. Instead of fighting to wipe out disease, you may desire alignment with well-being and health. The path to a world you prefer is found through your attention to that which you desire, and not by pushing against anything unwanted. The laws of the universe and the universal powers are there to assist you in deliberately creating the life you prefer. The laws work whether you want them to or not, whether you understand them fully or are ignorant of them entirely, whether you believe in them or don't. You can harness these powers with techniques we will explain in great detail. You will, through your desire, your focus, your intention, your patience, and your practice, create the life of your dreams. This we know. Well, hello, everyone. This is Gary Bodley, along with my co-host, Tracy DeLuise. Hi, Tracy. Hello, Gary. And a bunch of people from all over the world. Hi, people. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) And we are uh, talking about the book, A Perception of Reality, as you know, and this is Joshua's first book. This book was written in November of 2013. And it's amazing, because I haven't read this for a while, So as I look back at it, the first chapter really covers the four laws of the universe, the law of attraction, the law of expansion, the law of continuity. And today we're going to be talking about the law of vibrations. And we were just talking about this the other day and someone's going like, what's the fourth law? And I said, I don't know what the fourth law is. (laughs) I couldn't remember. But it's the most obvious one, right? The law of vibrations. And so... It's just amazing how this first chapter really sets up what is going on in physical reality. And this is obviously a vibrational reality. All realities are vibrational realities. We are vibration. We emit a vibration and then we attract what's compatible with that vibration. But yet our vibration is absolutely unique. In fact, our vibration in this moment has never been existing before and so we're attracting all kinds of new things that were not available before all our vibrations are unique and so when we perceive something we do it vibrationally through our physical senses so whatever we see we see as a vibration and that vibration of what we see is unique to us because we're perceiving it through the lens of our own unique vibration And that's why no one can ever see the same thing we're seeing. We assume they do. And in this part of the, uh, of sections four and five, Joshua talks about how like an orange, if you see an orange, that color orange to you is different than how anyone else sees it. And you just assign the label orange to that color and to that fruit. And you think everyone else is seeing the same thing, but they're seeing something that's, unique to them. So we don't know what anyone else has ever seen. And we use our words to sort of communicate what that is. So we all agree that an orange is an orange, but what an orange means to me is different than what an orange means to you. The color is different, the taste is different, the smell is different, the touch of it is different. Everything about it is different. Uh, How I eat an orange is different. And so when people say, oh, oranges are good for you, well, In Joshua's fourth book, which is the Joshua Diet, they have a thing where between meals, 
in, in my case it was between lunch and dinner, right in the middle of that, you eat one thing by itself. And so one day I ate an orange and you taste it. You say, do you like the taste of it? How does it feel when you're eating it? How does it feel five minutes later? And then how does it feel an hour later? And so for me, it tasted good, of course, but five minutes later, I had a scratchy throat and an hour later, I had a rash on my wrists. So for me, I can't, there's something about the orange that doesn't agree with me. So that's how you learn what foods you have to try them by, by themselves. Has anyone else ever tried that? No. no. I uh. <laughs> Tracy is trying to be a vegetarian this week. Yeah. Tell us about your lunch today, babe. What'd you uh, have? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that went for like three or four meals. It's <laughs> so funny. I, I was literally just thinking about that as you were talking about the orange. I'm like, oh, shit. I ate a cheeseburger for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just thinking, you know, I really was just inspired, you know, uh, and to just eat vegetarian. And it was really good. You know, we had a lunch the other day and then I, you know, asked Gary cook me some vegetarian dinner and we had it again last night and I'm saying, and I just really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know why, but then yeah, today I woke up, I'm a little foggy cause I was up a little late last night. So I was just so hungry. I was like, I gotta go to cookout. I was like, I'm going to cookout. I was like, All right, cheeseburger fries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I literally just ate it. It was really good. I do well with cheeseburgers. <laughs> and, then, and then I was thinking, oh my God, I was doing vegetarian. What happened? <laughs> well, the French fries were vegetarian. So you were good. totally vegetarian. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But so, it's all about how you feel, you know, and you know, how the food makes you feel. Cheeseburgers yeah. always felt good to me. But um, so it goes on here to say sound is the easiest vibration to recognize because we are already aware that sound is a vibration. But so is, you know, sight, obviously, light waves are vibration, and smell is a vibration, and touch is a vibration, and even your thoughts are a vibration. Josh has been talking about how thoughts are coming to us because they're a match with, with our vibration. When we're feeling good, we attract good feeling thoughts, and we're feeling bad, we attract more bad feeling thoughts. But... Even when we're feeling good and we are um, attracting like inspired ideas, those ideas can only come to us based on our belief structure. And if they don't align with our beliefs, we won't even receive them because even if they could come in, they wouldn't match up to our beliefs. And so we would discount them right away. So what the universe does is they give us ideas based on the belief system we have now that it will lead us on an, an expansive journey to adjust our beliefs. The whole system is set up pretty interesting. So, uh, yeah. Can I ask you something? I was thinking the other day, we talk about beliefs all the time. We kind of know what they are, but, um, and belief system, but does Joshua ever kind of explain what are the beliefs? I mean, they're so like fundamental to how we vibrate, if you wish, right? And, and how we perceive, but what are the beliefs? Well, like Abraham says that beliefs are simply thoughts you think over and over again. Yeah. And Joshua goes a bit deeper in that and says that beliefs really form how you perceive reality because reality has to uh, conform to your set of beliefs. So you believe that you wake up in the morning and the bedroom is the same as it was when you went to sleep the night before. So you're sort of manufacturing that bedroom all new again based on your beliefs. Now, we have a lot of beliefs, obviously, that were given to us as children. So what we think is dangerous is based on what our parents thought was dangerous. And since we all have different parents, those are different things. Um, we all believe that you can't jump out of an airplane without a parachute. And Joshua says you could if you believed it, right? And yet we'll never not believe it because once we've adopted a belief, we can't get rid of it because once you've attracted anything, it's with you in some form. So all we can do is modify our beliefs. We can raise the intensity of beneficial beliefs and 
lower the intention, intensity of limiting beliefs. Now, limiting beliefs aren't bad, they're just That's limiting. And so the limiting beliefs that you can't jump out of an airplane without a parachute just limits you from doing that activity. So that's fine, you know. Uh, and some of us will jump out of an airplane with a parachute, but some won't, you know. And some will speak in public and some won't, right? And it's interesting how that your beliefs dictate what you will and won't do. Now, once you've spoken in public a few times, then you sort of build up this confidence and you change your belief about that. And so now it's easier and easier and easier to do something like that. So you gain this confidence through this expansion, pushing past what your beliefs are telling you. But could you say maybe that beliefs are the vibrations that we carry? They're what? They are our vibrations. Yeah, and Joshua talks about this is, you know, your vibration is, what you think, what you believe, how you're being, your mood, you know, your emotional state of being, um, and how you have adopted this perception of reality. Your persona is part of all that. All of it goes together, but fundamentally, it's all based on beliefs. And then fundamentally, beliefs are just thoughts we think over and over again, and they have a lot of momentum. So if you have a high intensity limiting belief, when you're in a manifestation event that triggers that limiting belief, you'll feel high intense negative emotion. And the same with beneficial beliefs, you'll, you'll, you, know, you win the lottery, you're gonna have a high intense beneficial emotion, you know, empowering emotion. So, you know, how do you adjust beliefs? Well, if you think about it, when you think a thought, the thought that comes to you is a match to that vibration. And you can choose what to think about. So that means you're adjusting your vibration in order to choose to think about a butterfly. Um, do you ever get a, a song stuck in your head? Like an earworm? And isn't it difficult to get rid of it? Yes. That's because you're such a vibrational match to that song and it's hard to change the vibration to do something else, but you could change it to a different song, you know. Um, now in physical manifestations, it doesn't happen as quickly and thank God it doesn't because, you know, we're not even that in much control of our thoughts. Imagine if we were able to manifest everything we thought about all the time, it would just be this blur of a lot of things we want and a lot of things we don't want all happening at the same time. So Very physical manifestation life. takes a bit of, bit of time to manifest so that we, can, we need to actually raise our vibration to get there. Um, okay, so vibrations aren't static, they're constantly in motion, shifting and evolving. And so in every moment we have a new vibration, but since our beliefs are with us, those carry momentum and so the new vibrations through the law of continuity keeps our reality based on those beliefs. But also based on the law of expansion, our beliefs are gaining momentum. And so our beneficial beliefs are increasing, but also our limiting beliefs are increasing over time too. And so if you don't have a structure to reduce the intensity of limiting beliefs, they tend to keep growing, you know, and that thing. Um, okay, so we agree that vibrations in general mean similar things, but they're sim simplified versions of the meaning. The meaning or representation of any vibration depends on the perception of the individual. Therefore, each vibration means something different to each individual. That's why verbal and written communication is so tricky, and you really see it now in text messages, you know, because you can't convey a lot of nuance with text messages. Sometimes you receive a text message and you're like, why are they so mad at me? <laughs> you know, well, my dad will send me text messages in all capitals. I'm like, why are you screaming? <laughs> um, <clears throat> so words and ideas are also vibrations. Each word carries a vibrational signal and the word is translated by our brain as you receive it. However, unlike colors or flavors, 
Word vibrations carry many different meanings depending on the delivery method of the words and the emotional states of the sender and the receiver at the time as the word is delivered and received, which is super interesting too, because that opens up a whole can of worms there. You know, you really have to know the vibration of the person that's saying something. A lot of times you'll say something and someone else will take it as an insult, but you didn't mean it that way because you're in a high vibration and they're in a lower vibration and they're, they're seeing what you said from a completely different perspective. I love this uh, analogy here that Joshua says, if you're in an emotional state of depression and someone says, I love you, you'll receive these words differently than if you were in an emotional state of joy. If you and the receiver are both in the emotional state of joy and you say, I hate you, it'll most likely be taken humorously because your vibrational state does not match those words, right? Mm -hmm. um, like imagine if you're, if you're uh, at a party with friends and you trip and fall and everyone just laughs and you get up and you laugh. But imagine if you're like going to deliver a speech and you're walking, walking on stage, you trip and fall, you're gonna take it more seriously probably based on the vibration that you're offering. So vibrations through the law of attraction are drawn to similar vibration. Victims through their vibration are drawn to victimizers. Lovers are brought together in the same way enemies are brought together. Good thoughts attract more good thoughts and unpleasant, attract, uh, unpleasant thoughts attract other unpleasant thoughts. It's the vibration of the thing that is attracted to another similar or compatible vibration. If you're not hungry, you're probably not attracting food. If you're not thirsty, you're probably not attracting what you need to drink. So there is this, this vibrational aspect of desire that's in there too. The desire is really the engine of manifestation because the desire is part of your vibration and it's seeking the compatible vibration to that desire, always. Yeah, I have an example of Go that. Go ahead, great. So you know, last week I picked up this Jeep Wrangler because I needed a vehicle to cross four riverbeds. Right. So, so I bought the Jeep last Saturday and now everyone with the Jeep waves at each other. So now this whole community has been opened up to me, which is another thing I wanted was community. So I mm. find that, right? So a whole nother vibration in a whole nother way. That's so interesting. And I, I never even heard of this before. Yeah. It's like six things a Jeep owner needs to know. And then they said, we're a community. We wave. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, do you have a Jeep? Everybody, everybody needs a Jeep because we all like love and respect each other. It's, it's awesome. Like everybody in this country needs a Jeep. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Motorcycle riders do the same thing. They wave yeah, to each other. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, so you look at that, you had the desire, these two desires, the desire to cross the four riverbeds and the desire to be in a community. And the universe is like, okay, the perfect match to that vibration is a Jeep. <laughs> and you didn't even know about the community part of it. So- And I didn't you... even want a Jeep. I just wanted something. <laughs> yeah. And so here you are led through inspiration to this Jeep, which was the perfect right. thing. Right. Totally amazing. <laughs> which I wouldn't have paid attention if I weren't a part of Joshua. There you go. See? <laughs> That's fantastic. Opening up your belief system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay. So you're a vibration that is the sum of your feelings, emotion, and the thoughts at this moment in time. In the next moment, your vibration will be slightly different. Your vibration, as you might have realized, by the nature of vibrations is not static. Obviously, you listen to music, it's a different note in every moment, right? Um, it is constantly moving, shifting, and evolving. If you feel joy in this moment, your vibration changes to include the joy that you're feeling. Unless you can sustain the, that joy, your vibration will return to a base light, baseline state of vibration. So this is an interesting thing, is that we have this baseline state and we can be up for a little while or down for a little while, 
but will always return to this baseline state. So then, what, do we, what we really want to do is move the baseline, not periodic moments of joy or periodic moments of, of uh, sorrow. We want to raise the vibration to keep more in joy, more in joy, more in joy. Yep. Okay. So you can raise and lower your vibration very easily at times. It requires more focus to shift your vibration to a new higher frequency and to maintain that frequency so that it becomes your new baseline or standard. Your knowledge of the concept of vibration will be of great assistance to you when you're ready to raise your vibration. If you know how this thing works, then you can realize what you're doing. If you don't know that it works or what it is, you just hate some things and like some things and flip-flop all over the place, not really changing your baseline. So the first words of this book were, everything is right. We start to adopt that philosophy and that radically raises our vibration. So now we don't immediately react to things we think are wrong. We have a chance to choose a proactive response to anything by seeing it from the higher perspective. Okay, so that's, um, let's see. Um, so the first step is to understand the nature of vibrational reality. And the second step is to consciously create the desire to raise your vibration. Now imagine that. If you don't have the desire to raise your vibration, then you're not gonna be vibrationally compatible to things that will allow you to raise your vibration, like these teachings or certain books or things like that. But we all had this intention to raise our vibration, whether we knew those words or not. And so we followed inspiration step by step by step. And then here we find ourselves in this cool book club or in the boot camp or listening to Joshua Live, you know. And so that's part of the, our vibrations is this desire to consciously shift our baseline vibration higher and higher and higher. So once we create that vibration, the law of attraction will do the rest. All right, so now we're on to the last section of chapter one, section five. The basis of the universe is well being. Of the universe is well Whoop. So that's an interesting statement there because it means that. I didn't understand, I didn't hear it. It's got feedback on someone's computer. Okay, so. The basis of the universe is well-being, right? So that, that what is coming to us is always for us. It's always um, leading us towards well-being. Like the cells of our bodies are always seeking and finding well-being. Well-being, the natural state of everything is good. In this moment, we have nothing but well-being. There's nothing wrong going on in this moment, right? Everything is perfect as it is. This is the natural state of the universe. The basis of your Gary, life. That's a game changer. Yeah, because if you're living as a creator of your reality, you can accept the fact that the basis of this universe is well-being. But if you're limit, living as a victim, you tend to think that, um, that things outside of your control can harm you, you know? So, so if you have this new understanding, you've, you've brought that into your belief system and that's raised your vibration just there. Just this new perspective on how life works. The basis of your life and the world you live in is what also one of well-being. The whole universe is one of well-being. You may experience momentary periods of crisis, but if you look back on your life in general, it has been one of calm, ease, and comfort. Your memory of life may not lead you to this conclusion because your memory is that of the events in your life and not the periods between the events, right? So when we think back, we always think of the really good times and the really bad times because that's what sticks in our memory. Um, the predominance of your life has always been and will continue to be one of well-being into the future as well. And it's interesting how we're all in fear of death, yet that death is only going to take a few moments, you know, 
So we're living our life worried about these few moments. That doesn't make sense. So, and those, once we go through those moments, we'll see that that all was perfect as well. So every moment is perfect. And uh, once someone said, well, what about when you're in a prisoner of war camp and they're shoving uh, bamboo shoots up your fingernails? And it says, well, are you in a bamboo shoot moment now, right? And it's like, those times are far and few between. You at the time may not have thought that that was a good experience, but looking back, it led you on a trajectory towards where you are now. So that was a necessary experience to create a trajectory that would launch you to here. I lost all my money in the crash, and that experience at the time was horrible. But now that I'm here now, I wouldn't trade that experience because it led me here. So even that moment or those, that period of time was also for my highest good. And so the basis of that entire experience was one of well-being because it led me to where I am now. Okay, so well-being is a natural state for you. And it led us to where we are now, because without that, we wouldn't be having boot camp. That's right. We learned yeah. all those lessons, so <laughs> thank yeah, you. Yeah, so it's what, when something happens for you, for your highest good, it's also for the highest good of people that, that you can't even imagine, that you don't know now, right? And so if I think about that experience then, which I would have changed in the moment, if I could have, and, I, um, and it led to th these last you know, six years, and especially this last year, and all the people I've met, and all the things that I've done, you know, all the amazing things, and all the, the experiences that are now aligned with who I am, and having the you know, the retreat here in October and meeting all those people and having all the events that we do and all the people that are really a part of my life now that I can't imagine not having in my life. That's all due to this event that I thought was tragic. Now, if you just look at things like that, even when they're happening in the moment, this just raises your vibration even further. Okay. All right, anyway, well-being is a natural state of being for you, your planet, the inhabitants of your planet, and the inhabitants of the non-physical realm. It's the baseline state of all existence. It's a state of ease, comfort, and, and safety. Any movement from this state is temporary, and it's always easy to return to it. So that's when they're saying that if you're feeling like something bad is happening, in a few days, you'll get back to being feeling good again, right? You're always moving back to well-being. You can dip down, but that's only temporary, and you're always moving back. Can anyone see that in their lives? Okay. I can see that in my life, yet uh, the place where I work at, the baseline is depression. Could be, yeah. Well, let's just say that, let's, I wonder if a place has a baseline. It's, there's well-being there. It's just that you can't see it, right? From your perspective, it doesn't seem that way. But this is a rule of the universe, that everything is working out. Everything is good. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. So That part I get really well. Where do you work? What kind of place? Uh, an inpatient facility for eating disorders and substance abuse. Right. So this is their trajectory moment. Like mine was when I lost everything. This is, this is their moment for them, you know? But yeah. in those moments, it's hard to see where they're going to be, you know, five years from now or 10 years from now, or what's going to lead from, from that experience. Um, so your life is one of ease unless you focus on difficulty, frustration, or hardship. You are guided and provided for. There is no lack unless you focus on lack. There is no struggle unless you create struggle through your thoughts of fear and lack. 
Your life is to be enjoyed fully, and this can be easily accomplished when you realize you are worthy, loved, and the center of attention in your universe. So it's not easy when you think that no one loves you and that you're flawed, right? And that you don't have any hope. That makes it more difficult. So how do you change around that belief system? Well, the thing is that there's this spectrum that people are living on from fear to love. And the people who are living on fear set these intentions to experience fear. And so they're still in, in the midst of that experience. And so that's not a wrong or bad experience because that experience can't, can't happen in the non-physical. And that's why we come to the physical to experience these, these things that aren't possible to experience in the non-physical. Yet, yet when we realize that once we've experienced something we don't uh, like, we can change our exploration. And we've all made it to this information and other people will or will not make it to this information. They're, they will be ready or they won't be ready. You know, it's like, are you willing to say everything's right? Well, most people aren't willing to say that. You know, most people aren't willing to even to consider that theory or that idea. They're just gonna say, no, things are wrong. No, I have my limitations and they will fight for those limitations because the limitations give them something. You know, everyone gets something out of their, their limitations. And so they fight for them because maybe it gives them attention or whatever they think they're, that they're missing. Yeah, but imagine saying that your life is Thanks, easy. I like that. Yeah, imagine saying this to someone who doesn't have a little bit of background in this stuff that your life is one of ease unless you focus on difficulty, frustration, and hardship. You know, nobody thinks that they're focused on hardship and that's why they are experiencing hardship, right? But that's basically the thing. Um, so the memory of your past as you perceive it from that narrow limited view holds you back from the feeling of well-being when you focus on memories that do not feel good to you. Your memory can be of assistance to you when you focus on memories that do feel good. It is the feeling that guides you. The thoughts, feelings, and emotions that feel good help you to understand that well-being abounds. The thoughts, feelings, and emotions that feel bad let you know that you're holding yourself apart from the experience of well-being. This is the first sign that we have guidance, right? When there's something that doesn't feel good and you're focused on that, you're attracting more of that. You're attracting more of that. Alrighty. Okay. So there is tremendous energy in the universe and we have access to that energy. It's the power that lights up worlds, creates all beauty, and is the force behind all creativity. All inventions, books, songs, artwork have all been brought forth from the non-physical to the physical through inspiration. That's the creativity and the power that's, that's inherent in the universe we tend to go it alone and make things happen on our own and not engage that because we have our own idea about what we want or about how it, what it means about us, right? You write, start writing a book and you think, oh my God, this isn't gonna play well. You know, this is, people aren't gonna think good of me for this book and you just stop writing and, and really, People get inspiration all the time and start, and then when they start attaching meaning to it, that's when all inspiration goes out the window. So we're gonna figure out how to tap into that, that energy. And so the way to tap into it is counterintuitive. The way to tap into it is to have the belief that the universe is bringing you everything you want and not try to control any of it. So the absolute acceptance of what is, is the way we tap into that energy. The resistance to what is, is the way we block that energy, you know, or, or our attachment to certain outcomes is how we block it. So if Tammy was like, I hate Jeeps, you know, that's resistance to Jeeps and all these messages are sending your Jeeps, 
she wouldn't get that cheap. She would block the most elegant manifestation of her desire because she would have this limiting belief about cheaps, right? Yes. Um, okay. <clears throat> so um, you are a creator and your creation is you in this physical environment. You are given an inner self to guide you as you pursue your interests, your life passions, and your dreams. The power of the universe is here to support you in whatever you desire. In order to use this power to your advantage, you must deliberately create your life. You must move towards desires and not push against things you perceive are unwanted. The power of the universe is great, but it must be controlled like any such power. Um, and it's funny that Joshua's using control here in this. <laughs> but I think that at the very, very beginning, to get to people to understand these concepts, everyone is coming to this book in the beginning because they want to learn how to control the reality more. And so Joshua was speaking to that, that idea of control. Anyone who bought that book was, was buying it because they said, I wanna fix something in my life or wanna have more money or something happen, you know? Um, so electricity is beneficial when used to power your lights and appliances. However, without proper care, it can start fires or shock you. So that's an oversimplification, but what it's saying is the law of attraction can bring you everything you want or every single thing you don't want. It's up to you, right? Yeah. And when you, when you fight against things and complain against things, it's bringing you more of what you don't want into your reality. Yep. The concept that you can deliberately create a life experience that is pleasing may be a new one for you. You have been using the power of the universe to create your life up to this point, whether you realize it or not, the deliberate, deliberate creation of your life experience means you utilize these universal forces to act in your favor to bring life experiences and manifestations that you desire. It also means that you're not thrown into situations that you do not desire. And that is also an oversimplification because a lot of times when you are thrown into situations you don't desire, they're for your benefit as well. But people aren't gonna understand that in chapter one of this book. That's, that's down the road. Um, so any, any, event whether you think it's good or not good it's for you as well so this is like saying i'm only going to attract the things that i th i think i want and the universe is saying nope not only going to attract the things you think you want but you're going to attract everything you need to move you along that path of self-discovery and you can go kicking and screaming or you can go in a state of non-resistance and in that state of non-resistance, it just means that you have to see that everything is working out. Even if you don't know how, you have to use your imagination in an empowered way to figure it out. Um, deliberate re uh, creation requires focus. It's the practice of directing thoughts, feelings, and emotions toward the things you desire. Your focus must be unencumbered by fear or doubt. Okay, so this is a, another thing that we spend a lot of time in the boot camp talking about is fear is simply limiting. That's it. And if you have a lot of fear, you're not going to be moving along towards the life you desire because you won't take the action that's required or inspired that will set you on that path. You know, if public speaking is part of becoming who you are, where it is for a lot of us. If you will not go up and speak in public because you're afraid of what other people think of you, then you're limiting how far you can go along this path of self-discovery. You know, if you're a spiritual leader and teacher, at some point, you're gonna have to talk about this stuff to other people. And as you go along that, you're gonna be making YouTube videos or or speaking to groups or organizing your own groups, you know, that sort of thing. And if you are holding on to the fear of what other people think about you, then you're just going to limit that life experience you can have or whatever your fear is. Who is afraid of public speaking right now? 
Nobody. Ha, that's fantastic. <laughs> well, good. it depends on what, yeah. what kind of group. Yeah, that's true. It totally depends yeah. on the group. It's easy yeah. to speak to your friends. It's easy to speak to like-minded people. But I don't yeah. think I could go to a young Republicans rally and start talking to stuff, start channeling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but also when, when, you, when people say, oh, you should uh, talk about your yoga or whatever, go somewhere and, and I don't know the, the word, huh? kind of teach, teaching, I'm a bit afraid of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we all are in the beginning. And the more we push past our fear, whatever that fear is, the easier it gets. Because as you expand by taking the action to push past your fear, you build confidence. And you expand to a new level. And so the next time, the, because you've had the experience, you've altered your beliefs. Oh, that wasn't so bad. That was actually fun, you know? Um, when I was channeling Joshua in the beginning, and there'd be a group back in those days, maybe 10, 15 people. <clears throat> Imagine sort of being at a place in time where you have to sort of perform and you have no idea what's coming out. You know, <laughs> yeah. If you rehearsed a speech or a play or something, you, have an, you, might, you may screw it up, but you know what's gonna come. <laughs> and every time I did it, I didn't have butterflies in my stomach and now it's like, I'd also wanna know a little snippet. I like ask Joshua, what's it gonna be about? And they would give me a few words. Now I don't even ask that. I just say whatever it is, and it goes mm. up. Yeah. But yeah. that's a, that's part of pushing through who you are, you know, through through your comfort zone. And so the comfort zone. There's a Joshua article about comfort zones. Is like it's this box that we place ourselves in. Abraham ex explained it like you live in this beautiful mansion, this incredible house but you spend all your time in the closet and you never come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Right, thank you. If you could simply hold the good feeling thoughts of things you want and pay less attention to things you don't like, you'd move quickly to a greatly improved life experience. Whoop, whose phone's that? Oh, let's okay. see. Check it out. Tammy's all right. movie. Um, hmm. There's never a positive reason to think about or discuss anything unwanted. Thoughts or discussions about things unwanted only engage the law of attraction to increase the potential for those unwanted things to be experienced in your life. Deliberate creation is the focus of attention on the wanted and the lack of attention on the unwanted. So we think of a, you know, a magnifying glass on a sunny day and it focuses the laser beam on a piece of paper to burn the paper. Well, that's what your focus of attention does on anything that you, uh, and what it is, is anything you appreciate or anything you don't like. It's not anything you want. Do you get that? If you're focusing on, on a laser beam on things you think you want, you're actually focusing on the other side of the stick, the lack of those things. So the, Dan, go ahead. I have, um, I talked to you about this in the past. I have a niece who's 33 and um, she's a type one diabetic and she is in renal failure and she had a mastectomy. She has breast cancer. And so I, I'm trying to see her as you told me, um, un, you know, as an unlimited being that we are and um, that she's perfect as she is. And this is her exploration but I find myself sometimes when like, you know, I'm asking her how she's feeling and everything. And then I kind of deep, you know, I kind of dunk into this, like, oh, that's really lousy. I don't really know how to talk to her and feel, you know, keep myself in a good place and maybe help her to also, I know I can't really help her, right? Yeah, well, this is like the conversation we had with Christian, that Joshua had with Christian on the, bootcamp call yesterday, where Christian had a, um, a friend who had trauma in the past, you know, how do you comfort the person for them? So when we put ourselves in that person's shoes, we feel bad. When we look at them as if they are suffering, 
we feel bad. And so, or we pick out an urge to try and control them so that we feel better about them. And, and if we didn't know about this, how the universe works, we would assume that they were just unlucky, right? But now we know that that's their exploration and that they'll gain great benefit from that maybe in the future if they survive it or in the non-physical when they look back on the life, you know? And so, but from your point of view, can you see if she's, is she living in fear or is she living in love? She's living in fear. And what is she talking about mostly? Her aches and pains and yeah, all all that stuff. And what is physical pain, boy? It's impossible, I think. It's really hard to talk about things that are, that you prefer, you know? Right. What I've noticed that I've been doing now is whatever, if I've ever hurt myself or in pain or anything or sick, I just um, don't resist it, you know? And I don't do anything to ramp it up. Like I don't feel sorry for myself, you know? And I try to get back. I was (laughs) trying to lock Tucker out of the office and I was trying to close this door that wouldn't close and then my brother had made me this carving of a fish out of wood and it fell on my head, you know? And I was like, mostly I was pissed, right? But I was, I got, you know, a little bump on the head and was on the ground for a little bit. And then I said, okay, hold on. Nothing really bad is happening here. Just a little bump, jump back up and got back into it. But you could feel sorry for yourself for things like that. You know, why does this happen to me? Why does this happen to me? That sort of thing. And for me, it was just um, letting me know where my vibration was because I was trying to get Tucker out and I was pissed that he was bothering me, right? And here I am trying to close this door several times and it falls on my head. So when you, the way you look at life, even in these times of pain, helps you get rid of the resistance, but you can't do it for anyone else, you know? You can't take someone who's totally in fear and move them totally in love. Mira is a cancer doctor and an oncologist, and she can see that the people who radically change from fear to love are the ones who end up doing well. And the ones who stay in fear are the ones who don't. And sometimes it takes something like terminal cancer to rearrange your complete perspective, you know. Um, but if it's a chronic thing, it's always this slow progression of momentum of fear over time. And that's why chronic disease, I think, is more prevalent in older people because the limiting beliefs get stronger and stronger and they're just focused on what they don't want and in the fear so much. Mm. Yeah, it is hard, but if you act, you know, out of an urge to change the condition, it's never going to be a benefit. You know, and so that's when people say to other people, just cheer up, you know, it's not for the other per- person and no one likes hearing that. So that urge to change someone's mood doesn't ever do any good. You have to wait until you're inspired. Right. Stephen was uh, talking yesterday where he um, got an email that this woman that he did not like was um, retiring or something. And so he felt compelled to send an email back to her and he was doing it out of an urge to change the conditions because, you know, he thought he had to do it. Right. And so Joshua said, don't do it. Wait till you get into alignment, which you will at some point. And then if you're inspired to do it, then go ahead and do it. And so he does wait and does get inspired. And then he writes this beautiful email and sends it from a place of love and he feels great about it. You know, it doesn't matter what happens to her. She may feel great about it or may not, probably will. But he feels good about doing it and it was easy and effortless. So <clears throat> you always have to wait till you get back into alignment. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So most hu- humans talk more about unwanted things than wanted things. Anything that seems unjust is often the topic of passionate discussion. We must fight this injustice, you say. We must rid the world of it. 
You can't rid the world of anything by giving your attention to it. It's the law of attraction, not the law of obliteration. Joshua always says that <clears throat> if you could wish things, anything, you would quickly wish your way into nothingness because you would not stop getting rid of everything that bothered you, you know, and pretty soon there'd be nothing there. Even if you wish your way on a, on a beautiful island paradise, because we're always driven by the new, you get bored so quickly that you wish your way into something else. So we want to understand how this law of attraction thing works. Once we've attracted something, it's with us always. We can soften it, we can modulate it, but the best way is to think about how good everything is. Um, the way to fight against anything is to desire its opposite. Instead of a war on drugs, you might desire tolerance, understanding, and compassion for those who are searching for a way to feel better. This country is crazy in the war on drugs, and the, war, the drug has gone blown up, right? Portugal just um, decriminalized all drug use completely. And the results of that are just nothing but astounding. It's, they're having such amazing success in every area. You know, our war on drugs is funding, you know, funding the cartels in Mexico. And if you think about the prohibition of America of alcohol in the 20s, that created this huge underworld of gangsters and mafia that took nearly a hundred years to ease out of, you know? And we're doing the same thing in Mexico. It's building this because of this prohibition of drugs. And now it's going to China and India and all these drugs are being manufactured and supported there. Fentanyl is being supported by the government. In fact, during the trade wars, they gave a tax credit to fentanyl producers in China. All the fentanyl that's coming here is from, from China, and now it's going to India too. So it's like, by fighting against all these things, you're just making it bigger. And, and what Portugal did was they, they said, we're going to create tolerance, understanding, and compassion for those who are searching for a way to feel better instead of vilifying them. Instead of fighting to wipe out disease, which you would not want to do because all disease allows for experience. Uh, you may desire alignment and well-being and health for you, right? You wouldn't want to ever wipe out the potential experience for other people. And as this, as the vibration raises through the law of expansion, all the things that are good are going to get so much better. And all the things you think are bad are gonna get so much worse because it's a, a broadening realm of experience. And the ex possible experiences will go broader and broader and broader and broader. And you can look at a thing like the, um, the poverty has been sort of, you know, calved really the the wealth has increased among everyone right in relative terms but if you're poor even in america and you're living a mile away from someone uber wealthy that is a range of perception of lack that's never existed before in the past everyone was poor and now you can see on tv and in, on uh, youtube the wealth that exists all over you know and you can really feel lack at an even deeper grade even though you're living relatively wealthy in America. Um, okay. The path to a world you prefer is found through your attention to that which you desire and not by pushing against anything unwanted. The laws of the universe and universal powers are here to assist you in deliberately, deliberately creating the life you prefer. The laws work whether you want them to or not, whether you understand them fully or ignorant of them entirely, whether you believe in them or don't. You can harness these powers with techniques we will explain in great detail. You will, through your desire, your focus, your intention, your patience, your practice, and your practice, create the life of your dreams. This we know. And this is what's happening all over. 
the stuff that's going on now in this community of Joshua, it's just amazing what everyone's doing. When you just give up a little bit of resistance and realize who you truly are and what the, what the powers are that are there to support you and how to engage them, then the thing that changes the most is how you feel. And this is the quickest thing, right? You start feeling so much better and you start feeling so much less fear and you start having so much more confidence and you start being so much more open to other people who share these ideas. So anyone have any parting comments? It's all true and it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, thank you all for being here. Um, you. This, we're, we're, we're doing this in November 16th, 2019. By the time this becomes a podcast, it'll probably be, we're going to wait until we've done the whole book before we put it as a podcast. So then when this comes out, we'll have a whole bunch of them that people can listen to. And you can use this podcast as an audio book. If you don't want to listen to this com commentary, you can just listen to the first part, which is me reading the book. Um, but if you are getting this now, please join us in the Friends of Joshua Facebook group. Check out the other podcast, Joshua Live and the Law of Attraction Roundtable. And if you ever want to join a Joshua Life call, all the information there is on the website at theteachingsofjoshua.com. Thank you guys for being here, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thank Bye -bye. you. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Okay, there you have it. That's the wrap-up of Chapter 1 in A Perception of Reality. If you haven't already gotten this book, you can go to Amazon and just search my name, Gary Temple Bodley, and you'll see all of the Joshua books there. Um, please like and subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. If you have any questions, go to theteachingsofjoshua.com or send me an email to garybodley at gmail.com. Have a wonderful week. Bye.